0: Good morning, and welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. My name is Chris Flickenpole, and I'm the lead pastor here. And don't worry, we're not like a satellite church that does video only, but rather, uh, I was feeling a little under the weather, and so to be safe, uh, I stayed home this morning so that I could respect all of you. Now, one of the things we're, we're doing right now is we're in a series called Begin with the End in Mind. And one of the things that is really powerful, last week we talked about this, is this Sense of a growing intimacy with God. And that's really where we're going to be going uh, this morning with the beginning the end, and the end of mind. Now, one of the things we love to do here, especially if you're new, is we love questions. If you have any questions, just feel free to text us at the number on the screen, and we would love to uh, answer those in Pastor Plex podcast, which I record usually on Tuesday. Now, um, back to the beginning with the end of mind. If, if Are any of you there? And I can get a hand raised familiar with Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Living. That was one of the benchmark books that I read uh, as a 22-year-old back in the day. In fact, uh, it's, been, it's interesting to see now that my son's uh, elementary school has the, all the seven habits plant, uh, printed out and put all over uh, the school. Now, the habit number two is begin with the end in mind. Now, everybody knows this. This is what the irritating person at the gym does when they go, so what are your goals? And you're like, I don't know what my goals are. I just want a place to work out and meet people. And that's a goal, right? That's a goal. But usually what what they're wanting to know is I want you to know what you want to get out of this place. So you've been in New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose weight. Well, that's a great great resolution. Uh, And so what happens is is so we take that resolution, and then we implement a plan to only do things, only eat things, only to exercise in a way that would help us to meet that goal. And what happens for a lot of us? We have a New Year's resolution, or we just say, "I can't do New Year's resolutions because they're too hard. I know I'm going to fall off the wagon anyway, so I'm not even going to try." Or what we do is we accidentally, wait. we say, "I want to lose weight," and then we start trying to eat vegetables at the restaurant of our favorite restaurant, and all of a sudden we get stuck because the french fries were there and we start grazing. We didn't mean to eat the french fries, but all of a sudden it happened. And what happens is that we have this thing in us that is geared toward doing what is ever most convenient. So when it comes to losing weight, when it comes to spending time with God, when it comes to saving money or getting out of debt, all these things sort of come, we have this beginning with the end in mind. I want to be at this place financially. I want to be at this place in my marriage. I want to be at this place with my weight. All those things are great goals, and then you back plan, backwards plan, to get what God is calling you to do. Now, the one thing that we know about God and us is that the one thing that God wants from us is to glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever. Any of you are familiar with the Westminster Catechism? That is question number one. What is the chief end of man? And what happens is... We say that, you would say, yeah, I want to know God, I want to glorify God, I want to enjoy Him forever, but there is no plan to back that up. Your your basic plan is, I think I'm going to go to church when I can, or I'm going to go to a community group whenever I can, and without any sort of disciplined approach, you're going to accidentally your way towards spiritual maturity. That is just the way it goes. Now, let's take a look at um, our intimacy with God, and why we don't experience it. We don't experience intimacy with God because this is what happens over time. We don't mean for this to happen. We've replaced relate relationship with rules. So here's what that looks like. Um, the relationship is, it becomes transactional. I follow the rules. You're supposed to do something for me. We're all familiar, well, many of us are familiar with the story of the prodigal son. And the older brother who's out in the field... Is out there, he's been working hard, and all of a sudden the dad wants to throw a party for the younger son, and he's angry. And he's I look what all I did for you and you never did anything for me. What he missed out on was the relationship. And so what happens is when we miss out on the relationship with God, our relationship becomes transactional. I'll do the thing if I get the blessing. And at first, it's not a big deal. But over time, it creates burnout, and you get angry at church, at God, at Christians, at people. The next thing you know, you start saying it's like, I don't do Christians. And it all stems from you've chosen to insert a rule where there was a relationship needed. Okay, then next is uh, we don't experience intimacy with God because we become bitter through burden. 2020, can anyone else say that uh, 2020 was a bit of a burden? Uh, the, the pain that everyone experienced, uh, whether it was COVID or whether it was death, I think I did more memorials, uh, non-COVID related, hardly, uh than I had done ever previous to that. And it's because there is a lot of pain in this world. And what happens is, is we get stuck. We're like, God, I'd love to get to know you, but when I follow hard after you, it seems like things get worse, not better. And so we... Run from God in times of suffering. Okay, finally, uh, we're conquered by the condition of our heart. Uh, our heart is constantly saying essentially four things. A lot of us, are, are we feel guilt. And so we don't run to God in our guilt, we run from him. Uh, how about our greed? We, we say, I owe me, so I need to experience life to the full. And if I'm missing out on something, I get a pass, I need that. Or anger, someone else owes, you owe me. I'm going to get what I came for. You better. That's how a lot of our marriages end up. Or what about, God, you owe me. I'm jealous. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling frustrated. I feel like, you know, when you were passing out uh, great things, you skipped me. You skipped uh, the great house, the great wife, the great husband, the great relationship, the great kids, the great whatever the thing is, you skipped me. Why would you Do that, and that's really a condition of the heart that we need to overcome. We'll talk about that here in a bit. Now, um, we're in Revelation, to which it's pretty freaky for the most part when we talk about Revelation, and so I really want us to know how to read chapters 2 and chapter 3. And essentially, whenever John, the writer who took Jesus' words, I guess it was Jesus is the speaker and John's emanuensis or the secretary. So he's writing down what Jesus says. And in this, he gives into the church of Ephesus, to the church of Smyrna, to the church of Thyatira, to the church of Sardis, to the church of Philadelphia, uh, and to the church of Laodicea. He breaks it down, and essentially, every church gets four things listed out. There's a doctrine of Jesus, something to learn, uh, a theology statement that Jesus makes about himself. There is a praise for that specific church, there is a rebuke for that church. And then there is a promise. And so I wanted to, uh, as we're reading through this, kind of reveal that part to you as we walk down. Because there's, this is going to be really complicated if I just try the standard way of preaching. So not only uh, is the layer of difficulty a little bit higher because we're preaching via video, but we're doing it way different than we've ever done it ever, ever. So here we go. So Revelation chapter 2 starts at verse 1. First church we're going to talk about is Ephesus, and we're going to get into the doctrine of Jesus first. Watch this. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? Now, angel, that word is, it can mean messenger. Um, most scholars don't think that it's an actual a- angel. He's not writing to a specific angel saying, like, hey, here's what's going on in your church, because angels don't really interact with humans, often. But rather, most people think it's a lead pastor or an elder or Something along those lines. To the angel, it could be messenger. This the one that's going to give the message to the church. To so the angel, of the church in Ephesus, right? The words of him who holds the seven stars. When you hear that, it's, you know, he's got the whole world in his hand, he's got the whole world. Right. That's meaning he has authority and positional authority over the church. But not only that, watch this, he holds the seven stars in his right hand. Who walks among the seven golden lampstands? Now, what we know about the seven golden lampstands, those are the churches. And so he's walking among the churches, kind of like you would walk into a garden to enjoy, um, whether it's rock garden or trees or the koi pond, and you're just sort of taking it all in and you're getting, you have great intimacy with the light that is being given to you. He's inspecting and He's walking among them. Now, look. So what we learn about Jesus then is he has church authority and he desires church intimacy. All right, so follow me on that. Back to the text. Ephesus, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. All right, so he's doing a great job at finding false prophets, and calling them out. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. You have not grown weary. So this is way to go. Church of Ephesus. In fact, and then we skip uh, down to verse 6. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And the Nicolaitans were uh, those who were teaching uh, a false doctrine of antinomianism, for the most part. That once you became a Christian, uh, there is no law. So God's design for sex is out the window. It, you know, There is sexual. There is no such thing as sexual morality. I can do whatever I want to do because I'm covered by the blood. And so what happens is you start messing with the doctrine of sin and the doctrine of salvation when you do that. So you say, hey, way to go on uh, understanding that people's simple hearts, it wasn't just the law that they were supposed to keep. It was supposed to do the right thing under God's design. So then, so way to go on knocking that out. Now, the thing you gotta remember about Ephesus, it was planted by Paul. It was pastored by Timothy, and even John, like the Apostle John, was a pastor of this church. So it's got some heavy-hitting theologians, some people that have really experienced some time with Jesus. Now look, it had sound doctrine. And everyone would go like, hey, that's the church. You want to go to sound doctrine? They're not going to waver. They're not going to get off, carried away on anything. They, are, they know their word, and they do it right. Then, watch the review, though. This is what, where Jesus although he's commended them on being right on on doctrine, he says this, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore from, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. You have abandoned the love you had at first. We didn't get into Christianity to do rules. Remember the reason why you became a believer, at least for me, uh, and maybe this is, it wasn't one of those things that I was like, hmm, an intellectual sense. Yes, that makes sense. It was, I am a wreck of a person. I am so loved. And Jesus just, it's not like a, he sort of loves me, no, no, he loves me. When I experienced that joy, and that hope, and that peace, it overwhelmed me. He's say, do you remember that? Do you remember when you were uh, experiencing the joy of Jesus and your whole life was transformed? Remember that? Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. So the rebuke is they lost their first love. And then finally, the promise to the Ephesians, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life. It's really neat. tree of life shows up in Genesis and Revelation. Uh, The tree of life was what would give you eternal life, and so they continue to eat from it, and that is a blessing. So there you go. So... Ephesus, here it is, so he's got overcomers receive blessing. All right, so we've got these four things about Ephesus. Now, let's take a look at Smyrna. Go back to this. Now, Smyrna, same thing. We're going to go to the doctrine of Jesus that Smyrna has. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna, right, the words of the first and last, who died and came to life. Okay, so we know that he's first and last. He died and came to life, and he that means he is eternal. So that this means that Jesus is outside of space and time. He is the first and the last, and we heard last week a bunch, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He is eternal, and he also has the power over death, which I'm pretty excited about. Then he gets into the praise for Smyrna. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. I love that. You're physically poor, spiritually rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but a synagogue of Satan. Strong words here from John. Do not fear, or actually Jesus, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, now this is where it gets sort of freaky, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you'll have tribulation. Now hold on, hold on. I thought, remember, we, we've all said this. That, that when God is with you and when you're doing the right thing, you don't get tribulation, you get the blessing. But he's praising them for having intimacy even through suffering. I'll talk more about that in a second. And then when it comes to rebuke, he ha- doesn't have one. The, the Spirit of Church doesn't get a rebuke. He just heads to the final promise, which is, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life, which is your reward. He, will, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Now, we all know that everyone is to die once, and the second death is at the base seat in judgment where you who don't know Jesus die a second time and are separated from God for eternity, which is sort of sad day. But if you are an overcomer, you receive blessing. All right, so when you read all that, when you when you look at our chart here of like understanding God's word, what does it even mean? Now, this is the part where I'm gonna walk you through it, because I want us to obviously begin with the end in mind, And this part of Revelation obviously is the end of the Bible, but it's going to give us a great beginning for where we should start with our life and intimacy with God. Look at this. Ephesus chose rules over relationship. Um, One of the things that is super tough is uh, when you know going to Walmart and your kids, anyone else have this issue? Um, I had uh, last week, I went to Walmart and uh, I'm standing in line. And Austin and Jet and Titus are all not screaming. It was awesome. And uh, this woman looks at me, and she's like, you know, the next, I guess, people back. And she goes, what do you do to your kids to make them behave? And it was. I didn't know. I said, well, you should see them most of the time. I didn't really want to say that. And I think the problem is, Adrian and I don't sit down, and we don't go, okay, here's our strategy at Walmart. We, we don't do that. We have a different strategy. I, what we've learned and what we, is that I when my kids are teenagers and they're bound to be the most disrespectful, disobedient, um, uh, not excited about Jesus people. When that happens, right? I remember my mom telling us, when you turn 13, don't, don't turn into a monster. Um, when that happens, I want to make sure I have enough relationship with them that if I have to lay down rule, it comes from a place of love. And so what I've done with my boys is when Adrian and I sat down at the beginning of the year, and one of the goals we have, beginning with the end of mine, was I want greater intimacy with my sons. Now, just saying I want greater intimacy with my sons doesn't do daily squat. It's now doing something. And every Friday, uh, I've now scheduled once a week. That's, so the first Friday of uh, the month is Austin's week. The second Friday of the month is Jet's week. The third Friday of the month is Titus' week. And the fourth Friday of the month is Paxton's week. And so my goal is that I'm going to spend my time intentionally building intimacy with them. Because what can happen a lot, if, if I'm not intentional about it, uh, Austin can dominate or Titus can dominate and jet will feel left out. So, But if I'm intentional about spending one-on-one time with my boys, it creates an intimacy that is based on relationship, not rules. Now watch this. In the same way, God is asking us to spend time with Him. And I think this is where we struggle. And it's probably because we don't think about it. I mean, most people come to church twice a month, and they think they come every week. The reason is if they don't, they're do not they not intentional about prioritizing it, and that doesn't make them bad people. What it does is it makes them people who accidentally go way through life. And when you begin with the end in mind, you do things that lead you to a trajectory of success, that means I'm going to have intimacy and I'm going to plan for it because if I don't, I'm going to drift. And that, even Ephesus, Paul plants it, Timothy pastors it, John the apostle, John the disciple pastors it with Mary there of all things. Like this is a big deal. Like this is a big time church. This is a celebrity church pastor. These guys should be loving God with their whole heart and mind, but even that church is struggling. And so, of course, if we are not intentional about spending time with God, our hearts will do that. And what will happen, Here's that, and this is why we get burned out, you know, ministry is a privilege. When someone asks you to do something for God, that's a privilege, but what can happen, it can happen for me, it can happen for you, is when someone asks you that, your first thought is, why are they asking me? And what's happened is because Your intimacy with the Lord is low. You look at people as tasks to accomplish because you are all about fulfilling rules and requirements, not having the intimacy with Jesus. It's hard. It requires us to be intentional about our mornings, intentional about our days, intentional about what we put in our brain, intentional about all that, all those things. And so that's why I feel like just as I've been intentional about setting up um, a, a calendar and writing Austin, Jet, Titus, and Pax's name on their day that I'm be intentional with them, but we need to be intentional with the Lord to choose relationship over rules. Otherwise, we're going to struggle. I want you to think about how we're going to get into God's Word daily and in prayer and seeking Him daily. All right, keep going, keep going. So how about this? Smyrna experienced bitter, free intimacy. Now, this is interesting. You would think that whenever hard times and tribulations come, it would cause us to run from God, not run to God. But what I've seen, and I've seen this in relationships with other men, whether it's on a sports team or whether it's on combat, the the struggle, whether it's um, getting into a firefight, things are exploding, or running... Laps of for you know discipline and the consequence of whatever, there's something that forms a connection between those guys that are doing that. And so, what happens if we view our relationship with God that He is with us in the midst of struggle and suffering? What can happen is that we can see that He is working in it and we are closer to Him, not further away. I, I feel like that's the struggle that we're really um, having the hardest time. Uh, the experience becomes not one of your fondest memories, right? but one of your bondest memories. So whenever you were lonely, and I remember those days for me being single, and crying out to God like, God, when will you bring me a wife? Uh, feeling like uh, I was in desperation over time and time again in the combat zone, and wondering where God was, and that those were the moments where I could feel the closest. Not in a moment, but looking back. I almost feel like we need to do a footprints in the sand moment uh, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. Okay, last one. Blessing comes to those who conquer their heart. And I think the struggle that we face is that um, we get caught up in the enemy being flesh and blood and not about spiritual forces of darkness. And the spiritual forces of darkness are in our heart it's a struggle which is i know i'm pounding i know i'm pounding which is why i need mean intimacy with the father above all things okay um when i was in iraq i had one of my privates private s we we'll call him he goes out in the sector and he doesn't um if you didn't know that when we were when we were in iraq we had these vests that had armor plates you put it on the front, you put it on the back. The sniper, you know, is a 360-degree enemy. And so what happened is sometimes guys would just be like, nah, there's no way they're going to shoot me in the back. And so they take the plate out, or they just wear the vest without the plates at all. And of course, whenever you caught somebody doing that, you would be very upset because they were putting themselves in danger when there was a real enemy with real bullets and real grenades, and we had people dying... And they were just looking to... um, They they didn't didn't see the enemy. If they couldn't see the enemy, the enemy wasn't there. And we all know that's not not true. So in the same way, later on, Private S did put his plates in after we had a a very strict and meaningful conversation about it. And he went in the second and got shot in the back by a sniper. And he was protected because he was prepared. Now, remember... This is God's word. And when you prepare yourself for the enemy that's out there, whether it's your own heart or the or the tribulation that you might be called to face, whether that's a coronavirus, uh, whether that is struggle at work, whether that's your relationship, whether whatever your sphere of influence, when you're encountering somebody and you're struggling, you are in God's word that builds an intimacy, but then it also builds blessing of relationship that comes through um, of overcoming, so of overcoming the heart, but overcoming circumstances as well. So this morning we get intimate with the Lord, and uh, what we're going to do is to give. Uh, we're really going to filter this through community groups. So if you're not in a community group, I would love for you to get a community group. We want everyone to get intimate with the Lord, and so we're challenging all our community groups to challenge their people to read through God's Word. It doesn't have to be read through the whole Bible in a year, but just do something, read something, pray, have an actual prayer life where you are experiencing the Lord's love and His kindness and intimacy with Him, even when it feels like things are hard. And so this morning, as you are gonna go about your day, as the band comes up and as we start to worship again, my heart is that I hope you don't just mouth words because you feel like that's what you should do. That's the rule, you sing at church. But rather you have a relationship of the intimacy with God, of a deep love for love. So uh, as we close, I wanna remind you that Jesus came. He died on the cross. And he rose to death to forgive us of all our sin. And I remember when, that, when the day that I came to know that, it just hit me. And I want that for you. I want you to experience Jesus in such a powerful way. That you can go from death to life. The gospel isn't about making bad people better. It's about making dead people alive. And that's where the draw and the intimacy with him comes. And you are called to spend time with him. Not because it's a rule. Because it's a relationship. And my heart is that you do that. And then, listen, when the struggle comes, you would... Lean into the church, the body of Christ that God has put around you so that you could experience the joy of suffering with one another and realize that God is with you, even in the fire. And and that your preparedness to conquer and overcome your own heart and the enemy is what's going to make you different and stand out wherever you are. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. I pray that uh, somebody here might even trust you for the very first time. That they would say, Jesus, you are my everything. I trust you. I believe you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose for them. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, start to do a work. God, I pray that everybody that can sound my voice would just go and spend time with you. Before they go and do something for you, they would get intimate with you and spend time with you. <clears throat> and obviously, sometimes that, would, that is when you serve someone. But Lord, there be an active understanding and presence with you. Lord, I love you. And I worship you he's